Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 as we study biblical prophecy together. Okay, I'm going to start this broadcast with a question for you. I'm hoping you've been following the last few broadcasts as we launched into our study of the book of Revelation. What's the theme of the entire book? In other words, we want to get the whole map before us. We want to see the outline of the entire forest before we start studying the individual trees within it. So what's the theme? I hope you remembered. It's Jesus's kingship. Specifically, it's Jesus's divine kingship, and even more specifically, it's Jesus's universal divine kingship as opposed to the growing divinity claims by Caesar. Is Caesar Lord or is Jesus Lord? This is what's going on in the context that the book of Revelation was written in. Now, it's just seemed strikingly obvious when you start looking at this first chapter of Revelation, verse 5, Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. It's pretty clear identity that Jesus wants to be known as the king over the world, king over the nations in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, the son of man, which takes us back to find that identity in Daniel chapter 7, and that's the king who comes up in the clouds and receives the universal kingship. And then you go to Revelation 4. We haven't gotten there yet, but it's just throne, throne, throne in heaven. It's the idea that Christ is the divine king. And then what is the response to kingship? It's worship. So kingship and worship is kind of the the dual theme because worship is simply the response to divine kingship. And that's what's going on. Is it Jesus or Caesar? Now, I believe it's necessary to explain why so many sincere Christians miss Jesus's kingship during this age. And specifically, I'm talking about that millennial kingdom described in Revelation 20, and we're going to get into Revelation 20 once we get to that part of the book of Revelation, but why do so many miss it? And I I need to mention that there are many thoughtful Protestant groups who believe very similar to the Catholic viewpoint that Jesus's kingship is a present reality. The unfortunate aspect of that is that you're just not on TV and the radio like the others are who believe that Jesus's kingship awaits a future age. So let's dig into what we looked at last week. There are three schools, major schools of prophecy. There's more, but three major ones. Last week, I described two of them. The first, the Amil position, and if you wanted a very brief description of that, it's the kingdom now position. And that is the time between the ascension of Jesus and the second coming, Christ is king. The millennial kingdom is now. This was St. Augustine's view. This is, this is the Catholic view, uh, by and large. There's a few other variants of this. Um, the king is installed at this very moment. And then the second view 
is the pre-mill view. And I'll explain a little bit in a moment why this was so popular, perhaps, in the early church. It took a while for the church to figure out the nature of the kingdom in this present age. But the pre-mill view is the the mill part of it is the millennium, the thousand years in Revelation 20, is still sometime yet future. In other words, the second coming of Jesus, and then you're going to have the beginning of the millennium. Rather than it being a present reality, it's a future reality. And the various viewpoints of the rapture, the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, those are subcategories or variations of the pre-mill view. And the mistake that I made for a decade, decade and a half, was kept studying the various pros and cons between the pre-trib and the post-trib and didn't pay enough attention to the larger question of the millennial question. Because if the pre-mill view isn't true, then that debate just goes away because we're talking about a different reality. Now, here's today, and I need to describe this third point of view to explain to you why so many sincere Christians miss Jesus's kingship during this present age. A lot of these folks don't know the historical background for the position that they hold. But first of all, we need to learn this third school is called the post-mill. You have the a-mill, kingdom now, pre-mill, kingdom sometime in the future, after the second coming. The post-mill or post-millennial view is the Lord will return, that's his second coming, after the millennium. And what the millennium is, is that sometime during the present age, the preaching of the gospel and the saving work of the Holy Spirit will bring about a long period of peace and righteousness before the second coming of Christ. And the post-mill view is kind of a, a, a minor view, but there's some very bright and prolific uh, Protestants holding to the post-mill view. Now, with those millennial viewpoints, a-mill, pre-mill, post-mill, I can explain to you why so many sincere Christians miss something so significant as the present kingdom reign of Jesus. And by the way, um, there are Protestants who are gloriously inconsistent. They're pre-mill, radically pre-mill. In other words, the millennial kingdom is yet future, but if you ask them, do you believe Jesus's kingdom is now? They'll say, of course. That's a contradiction in concepts and theology and eschatology, but that's okay because at least they, they, they recognize their present reality of the kingdom. Anyway, here we go. Number one reason is that many in the early church, many today, see the millennial kingdom in Revelation 20 as a simple continuation of the Davidic kingdom, that is the Old Testament kingdom of King David around 1000 BC. It was destroyed by the Babylonians. The prophets prophesied the restoration of the Davidic kingdom. But is it a simple restoration of the same Davidic kingdom? Or was the Davidic kingdom a precursor, but not the fulfillment of what was to come? Uh, it wasn't a return of King David. It was It was the son of David, Jesus. And basically, if you look, when Jesus, just just before he ascended into heaven to launch his kingship, he was asked this, Lord, will you at this time 
restore the kingdom of Israel, Acts 1.6. And <laughs> the answer is yes, but they had no conception how this was going to happen because behind that question was, are you going to boot the Romans out of Israel? And you know, no, actually the whole situation with Rome is going to get considerably worse. That's what the book of Revelation is about. But we do find that the kingdom comes through suffering. And then as a prisoner at the end of the book of Acts, you find St. Paul chained up in Caesar's household, the capital of the Roman Empire. And what is he doing day and night? He's talking about the kingdom of God. So it's a little different from what it was conceived even from these early believers. So uh, kings aren't carpenters. Kings don't ride on donkeys for royal processions into the capital. Uh, kings especially are not crucified. And so Jesus's kingship was so out of the box, so to speak, that he wasn't recognized. Number two, and this is why I had to describe to you post-mill before I could explain why sincere Christians miss Jesus's kingship during this present age. In the early part of the 20th century, the post-mill school was fairly popular, but had become very secularized. And the extreme social justice folks thought they could bring in the kingdom of God, that's the millennial kingdom, with their social action programs, uh, particularly through you know government's um, socialist programs and this and that. Well, the non-deluded Protestants uh, who didn't buy into these extreme social action programs became fundamentalists. And a lot of people think fundamentalists are these bad people. It's a, it's a negative term today. The fundamentalists just ha happened to adhere to the fundamentals of the faith, namely things like the virgin birth of Jesus, the inspiration of the scripture, the miracles are actually true. Jesus literally did walk on water. But when it came to eschatology, they didn't want to be post-mill. They knew that was flipped out from what they saw. It was an extreme version, actually a perverted version of post-mill. And so for eschatology, they simply turned to the most popular variety uh, or popular alternative of eschatology around at that time. And that happened to be the pre-mill dispensationalist view. In other words, the rapture at any moment pre-mill variety. And that's why it launched in. There were prophecy conferences going on across the country that had come here from Great Britain. There was a Schofield reference Bible, and people really bit into this. And so today, when people, you say, well, I don't believe in a rapture as they're telling you on TV, you kind of get a strong reaction. The reaction is they think you're a flaming liberal, like the post-mill people were at the beginning of the 20th century. They don't really know the history, but they know there was something really wrong with that, something anti-Christian about that. And so they, they view an attack on their view of the rapture as an attack on the truthfulness of the Christian faith. So that was the second reason. It was the post-mill secularization that led to them jumping uh, to something <laughs> far worse, really. Number three, and this is the third reason and an important reason why sincere Christians miss the millennial kingdom, it's this. If you're protesting Catholicism, then you're much more likely to miss the present reality of Christ's millennial kingdom. There's only two verses in the entirety of the Gospels where the word church is mentioned, and only once 
is the word church used in the context of the kingdom. And that's Matthew 16. Well, Jesus says to Peter on this rock, I will build my church and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's it, folks. That's the only place church and kingdom are mentioned in context with each other in all four gospels. And if you miss the church, then you're prone to miss the kingdom. If you're protesting, if you're a Protestant protesting the church, then you're prone to miss the kingdom. This is why the Catechism of the Catholic Church, very important section, 763, 763 says this, the Lord Jesus inaugurated his church by preaching the good news, that is, the coming of the reign of God. That's how the church was inaugurated, by proclaiming the kingdom promised over the ages in Scripture. To fulfill the Father's will, Christ ushered in the kingdom of heaven on earth. The church is the reign of Christ already present in mystery. If you want to know everything about eschatology, the, the, the three schools, as well as the sub-varieties under the pre-mill, all the rapture stuff and everything else, just go to Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 763, and the church and the kingdom are one. And if you miss the church, you're liable to miss the kingdom, the greatest historical reality of all human history. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 61 of Luke 21 Radio, and be sure to check out the Catechism, section 763, and then read the book of Revelation. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.